0: This week, we are talking about blinging till you're broke, consumerism, keeping up with the Joneses, the hamster wheel of materialistic consumption, and how to survive this never-ending process. Sean, why are we talking about blinging till you're broke? And what the hell does that even mean?
1: Arlington, the politically correct term of blinging till you're broke means living beyond your means. Let me give you a quick story. I got a friend. His brother wears $5,000 suits. We eat at the most expensive restaurants in New York City. We hang out. Bottle service all the way. And to top it off, he drives the Benz. And do you know what his address is?
0: This isn't going to be good, is it?
1: It's not in Malibu, but guess. I don't know. It's 911 living on his brother's couch.
0: Damn. All right. Well, stay tuned because we're getting into it on Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Black guys. Dion, the lady with the facts, can you please give us some history on consumerism and the spending culture we live in?
2: My pleasure, Arlington. Arlington. The phrase keeping up with the Joneses dates as far back as the 1900s, according to Wikipedia.
1: I thought the Joneses were some guy from East New York in Brooklyn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, Sean. Speculation is it either was inspired by a comic strip of the same name uh, during that time, or it was inspired actually from these wealthy New Yorkers. Uh, The Astors, the Vanderbilts, who were trying to outshine the Joneses, another wealthy family at that time, by building grander and grander homes and villas to showcase their social status. Uh, Fact, according to a survey done for J Group International uh, last year, an individual in America owns, on average, 19 pairs of shoes.
0: Arlington, (laughs) how many you got? I'm a sneakerhead. I got a little more than that. (laughs) <laughs> All right,
2: so you're, you're creeping up to the ladies. So the average man owns 12 pairs of shoes, while most women own about 27 pairs of shoes. That's
1: crazy. But, sc- only 12?
2: Well, you want to hear the crazy part? <laughs> so Huffington Post <laughs> confirms that 86% of women own at least one pair of shoes they never worn, and only five pairs of shoes on average actually make the regular rotation. Is
1: that true for yourself, Dion?
2: I confess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And lastly, fact... Another Huffington Post article also states that the average person sees around 250 ads per day. On, that's on the conservative side. So we are being bombarded so,
0: all day. This stuff, Sean, does not happen by accident. We are actually being programmed to consume.
1: Yeah, we are being programmed to consume. We're being programmed to keep up with these. The Now that I know the 1900 Joneses, we're keeping up with people from 200 years ago, basically. And, you know, one thing I try to live by is, you know, I compete with myself. In myself, I have this head game going on in my head, and I'm trying to outdo myself. And I I have blinders on to the people around me. Okay. You can aspire to be like like certain people, like-minded like certain people, but you should have your own past and your own journey and make the Joneses yourself within your head because that's where people get trapped. They're watching other people, what they have and what they consume, and they're trying to be like them. And a lot of us can't afford to be like them.
0: But so if you look at where it, though, the, tra- the idea of keeping up with, with the Joneses, it's really impactful because if you come from a meager upbringing, the idea of keeping up in the jo- with the Joneses is what, Makes you strive to have those things that will give you exactly, status. and that's
1: what happens in our community. I mean, I grew up right. in a, in a low-income housing, and you know, it's unfortunate in these low-income communities. We feel that in order to prove our self-worth in life, in order to give ourselves credibility and a status in life, we need to have all these materialistic things. But you know, the most, right. the more wealthier people that I that I aspire to be like are the most simplest people. Hence Warren Buffett, hence Steve Jobs. You know, these people are are very humble-looking people, and you wouldn't know that they are. Especially, you know, living in New York, it it exposes you to that as well. Like, a lot of New Yorkers, they'll come into stores and they're wearing ripped-up jeans, and I'm sure you can experience the same thing in Malibu, and they're worth millions of dollars.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: I always feel if somebody robs if I hear somebody gets robbed and they're really sad and they hurt that they got robbed on the street and they're and they're really upset then, you know, you should never if someone were to rob me in the street, you're not going to get much. It should never be a point of where my life savings has gone because I just got robbed on the street, you know. You shouldn't be wearing your money, in other words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when we you know, talk sure about if... all these rappers getting robbed for chains or athletes getting robbed for chains and things of that nature, it's still that same mindset of, I didn't have, so now that I have some money, I'm going to keep up with the Joneses and try and surpass these Joneses in my mind. Even if they weren't my neighbors, they're the people that I see in the ads. They're the people living this, this good life. We live for conspicuous consumption. We buy to show other people, you know what? Hey, we're doing okay.
2: And for those who you know are familiar with the term, conspicuous consu- consumption really is you know spending on goods to actually showcase your status.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah but this is a misconception. You don't need to wear a sixty thousand dollar chain to show your net worth. You don't need to do that. You know, it comes out in how you carry yourself, how you act, and most people will, will pick up on that. It, most people pick up on that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not like. First of all, I'm not totally against blinging because I do wear a Rolex. But I am, I, I'm. You can do it with class and with style, and when necessary, I'm not wearing my Rolex every day, every place I go to. But if I have a certain meeting and I want to let everybody know that, okay, I deserve to be part of this meeting. I want you to. I'll, I may wear a, a one or two piece of bling, as you may call it, but. I don't think it needs to be overdone, you know. I don't think I, one thing I'm not a fan of wearing clothing with ads all over the place. Like I'm not wearing uh, a, a Tommy Hilfiger shirt. Nothing against Tommy or Ralph Lauren shirt with the name blasted all over my chest. I mean, I'm not getting paid to wear these brands. Everybody go home today and write. Get a white T-shirt and write Sean Linda on it and wear it all around. Please wear it all around. Wear my name all around or wear our podcast blinging. Two black guys with good credit. Go home, black marker it up. Two black guys with good credit because that's what you're doing when you wear these these brands of these people. Yeah, out but there. we really, all that's- do
0: a version of that. We all do a version of this idea because we. If you look at if you look at it. There are five basic stages of the consumer cycle, right? The extraction, production, distribution, consumption, and disposal and disposability. So everyone gets on this hamster ride and they go about living through these experiences through their purchases. Whether it's the purchasing of a replacing a old dishwasher with a new dishwasher, whether it's it's um Buying a new car from your last car, buying new winter boots this season from last, winter, last year's winter boots, we're always in this cycle. And part of that cycle, one part of it is keeping up with the Joneses, but the other part of it deals with corporate culture and an economic system that's based on consumerism.
1: Yeah, America is, we, it, there's no reason why, there's, there's, it's not coincident that America is the number one country in the world. is because we're the land of consumerism. We have to keep consuming in order to keep America where it is, in order to keep the economy the economy flowing. So it's a double-edged sword. Right. You, we have to consume, but I think you can consume responsibly.
2: And Sean, just so you know, there's actually, there is a, a phrase that's been coined. It's called planned obsolescence. So this is actually companies design products, so people will need to eventually throw them out and buy a new one. So it's intentional.
1: Yeah, my godfather used to always tell me cars can last, they they have enough knowledge that can make cars last 50 years, but they choose not to. You think it's coincidence that if a little, I can, can, my son at seven years old can accidentally fall onto the car and there's a dent and I got to take it to Range Rover to get it repaired. One. that's ridiculous. They can build these cars to last fifty years. Did over you say days. you have
2: to take
0: it to Range Rover to
2: get it to <laughs> Yeah,
1: that, What is your point? Oh, what is wow. your, that's
2: your bougie friend? Really? <laughs> uh,
1: that
0: was your example.
1: I told you. Uh, nice. I told you. I bling responsibly. Nice. I bling you responsibly. Know, sometimes
0: just talking to you on this show, I feel.
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> I told you, you can bling responsibly. All these things I've rewarded myself with (laughs) along the way. I'm not walking into Range Rover like Mike Tyson did and buy Bentleys for all my friends and be like, here, just pay for it. No, it's a planned operation with Sean Linda. Dion will tell you, it's a planned operation. Getting to my Range Rover story is a personal story. Okay. I wanted to pay one price for my Range Rover, and I my credit was great, and I and I went to about. I first of all, I start on the phone and I start negotiating on the phone, and then from there, I go down to the dealership and I tell them what I want to pay, and that wasn't good enough to the point I had to look through my phone and figure out somebody that has some kind of connection with Range Rover, and I had a friend that worked through that worked for Maserati, who then know the regional manager of Range Rover, who then I contacted to get the price that I wanted. You had a
0: friend at Maserati.
1: Sorry, yes, I have a friend that works <laughs> at Maserati? Say you had
0: a friend at Maserati.
1: <laughs> but my point you know, is, Arlington. My point what is your point? My point is, Arlington, I <laughs> blink responsibly. I, I bring responsibly. What I paid for my range, which I will not say over the air, is what people would pay for a normal SUV because I did a little research, did a little homework, and I didn't get okay, I didn't get the prefer I didn't get the options of getting the the 28 alloy rims or the booming system. I got a brage Range Rover with leather because I didn't have the. The guy was like, "Well, if you're gonna pay this price, you are gonna take what we give you. As long as it's a Range Rover Sport and it was a new one, I'm happy." Are you
0: now yeah. saying you sacrifice by getting a gray range with leather seats? Was that the sacrifice? I'm just a little, <laughs> I'm just unclear because you know a tear is coming out of my eye for you. A tear <laughs> is coming
1: out. Well, I've always wanted a black car and I am 43 years old and I still have never owned a black car because I take what they give me, but I just get the model that I like. Okay,
0: I just got to I got to stop this. I got to stop this. Can we just get back to the average blue collar brother out there trying to make ends meet? I've had three BMWs, two Mercedes and a Range Rover.
1: I want a black one. Okay, I want a black one. (laughs) I'm tired can of the greys. I'm tired you of the, the beans. I right.
0: want a black one. Dion, just give me that site. Give me the stat on the advertising again.
2: Well, Please. no less than 300. It can be upwards of 3,000. You know, the final numbers are still out there, but we are being bombarded, right. whether it's right. from right. TV, our phones. They are tracking our purchases. The marketing is so right. targeted now, you can't escape it.
0: So Sean, man, is it really, is it blinging or is this just modern living?
1: No, it's, 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 it's blinging because one thing America does and it's good at, which I commend America for, we know how to create a need. I, you know, perfect example is that, you know, you made me buy this, the the smartwatch. Do I need the smartwatch? It really just preventing me from going into my pocket and pulling out my cell phone. You called me up, Sean, 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 I got the greatest thing for you to buy. And I'm like, what, Arlington, the cure for cancer? You finally told me what it is. No, buy a smartwatch. I'm like, why should I buy this smartwatch, oh, great, Arlington? Because you hey, don't have to look at your up. cell phone anymore. <laughs> you can run around all day, and I put my cell phone to the side, and I'm just looking at my watch. Guess what, Sean? I'm talking to you from my watch right now. Okay. I was like, I need that. Do I really <laughs> I need that? that? I wanted it. I got it. Do I I'm a, Do I appreciate it? Yeah, I can just turn my wrist now and I can see that Arlington has texted me or that I've gotten a call. But is it really a need? It's America has created the demand that not only do you need your watch now to tell the time you need your watch now to look at and see a text. Right, right. You need your watch now to talk to, like Knight Rider did in 1980, and you need your watch now to tell you all these right. things that you don't need when they really want. And
2: this goes as far back as the post-Depression. So in case you're not aware, the National Association of Manufacturers enlisted a team of advertisers, marketers, and psychologists to formulate a strategy to counter government efforts, to, to plan and manage the economy. So they proposed a massive ongoing ad right. campaign to equate it to, con- to consumerism, that it was the American way, you know, buy American, your support, your country,
0: right. Right. it was your duty. To consume, right? it's your duty to consume. But it's like I tell people in our store in Malibu, where people will come in and say, oh, I don't need those shoes. I'm like, we're not in the needs business. Once you have food, shelter, and you have some clothing to cover your body, you've surpassed your needs. When you're on your third pair of shoes, your fourth jacket, your fifth pair of jeans, you're into the want spectrum of life. And it just and, and that want and that desire for that want is planned. And I think that's the
1: interesting thing. You're heading towards the blinging till you're broke.
0: Okay, so it's clear that when it comes to consumer culture, as Americans, the knowledge of how to spend and spend and spend some more is very clear. We've seen Hammer do it. We've seen Mike Tyson do it. We've seen um, many football players, Dorothy Hamill, you name it. We've seen people spend themselves into bankruptcy. But the deal is you really have to learn how to budget, so you're not falling victim to the new new. And Sean, you have that great theory of the wealthy mindset. Explain that for the folks at home.
1: Well, first, people have to understand that being wealthy and being rich are not synonymous. They're two independent things, and, and you have to grow up with a wealthy mindset rather than a rich mindset, Being wealthy means that you're still conscious of your your wallet. Your your money is your money. You're you're making calculated purchases, purchases that involve thought and, and that involve research and to make sure you're getting the best deal and bang for your money. Being rich means just going out there right. and spending feverishly, not paying attention to you know what you're spending, the value in what you're getting, you're not buying goods that maybe you know, have, long, have a long lifespan to it. That's the rich mindset. A wealth mindset is managing your money and respecting your money regardless of how much money you have.
0: What's an example of a wealthy mindset?
1: One of the things that I try to do, and I really, take, I, make, I really take a note of it, I try not to be the first in because that's the most expensive position to be in. I try to be the second or third or fourth guy in. That way you get the better deal. For example, when so flat screen TV first came out- no, I have the iPhone 6, but I don't have the iPhone 6S. But okay. I, <laughs> I wasn't like the, was the first guy to get like the, the iPhone
0: 6. In the Range Rover again? But, you are let me just get back calling. up. No, Let's just be clear.
1: Let me back up with the iPhone 6. Why do I have the iPhone 6? Because I made a deal with Verizon to get the iPhone 6. They said, Sean, we'll give you this new phone at a discounted price if you contractually obligate yourself to us for the next two years. And I committed to Verizon for the next two years. Would Sean go online and go to Apple.com and buy the iPhone 6 for $800? No. I got the iPhone 6 for $200 because Mm -hmm. I made a contractual obligation with Verizon. That's the difference. That's a wealth mindset versus a rich mindset.
0: So I got it. You're not the first in line to get the new iPhone. You kind of sit back, you make a strategic plan, you get the 6 instead of the 6S. That's wealthy mindset. But I will
1: get the 6S. I will get the 6S eventually. I I will get the 6S. But now
0: let's talk about the rich mindset. Dion, what's that lottery winner stat?
2: It's scary. Research from National Endowment for Financial Education estimates that 70 percent of people who had unexpectedly come into a large sum of money ended up broke within seven years.
0: See, now that's crazy to me, but it happens all the time. And Sean, I'm sure you would say that's that's through lack of understanding of money management, right?
1: Exactly. Lack of understanding of money management. And that's why my point is. Being rich and being wealthy are two totally different things.
2: Well, we, we really should talk about the average guy because there was a time where you thought $75,000 household income was a lot of money, right? Well, guess what? About one in three U.S. households earning that much say they're living on the financial edge.
1: Because they're blinging in their own world. Just because if you're making $10 an hour and you buy $12 shoes, guess what? You're blinging. Okay, just be—it's not—it's not not a price of the of the item that does make you not bling. It's living beyond your means that makes you bling.
2: Shockingly, even households earning at least a hundred thousand are also finding themselves in the same pinch.
1: They're buying a hundred and one thousand dollars shoe once again. They're blinging beyond their means. There is pay less to Bloomingdale's. Pick
0: your lane. Stay in your lane. Part of what happens here is that corporate America has devised this consumer culture which kind of puts us on this mindset of we have to constantly consume, we have to constantly buy. So now we're using the almighty credit to, to fill the gap between our actual money and the things that we are looking to, to consume and purchase.
2: Arlington, you're dead on. I mean, this has been going on for decades, since 1950s, when the credit card was, first came to fruition. They advertised credit cards, You know, because people could no longer, you know, buy cars cash. So they had to find a way to give people more access, you know, to buy larger ticket items. And and that's how it all began.
0: So it's the credit card that's killing us.
2: Absolutely. No,
0: it's not.
1: No, it's oh, not. Oh. It's, it's the mismanagement of the credit card that's killing corrected. us. It's the mismanagement. And we learn to manage it properly and buy what you can. You should get credit cards like I encourage people to do. But manage your credit card. Put on your credit card what you can afford to, put, to spend in that given month. Why would you pay $10 for a pair of shoes and then after the accumulated interest and paid out over time, pay $50 for those shoes? It doesn't make sense. Buy what you can afford. Learn to live without.
0: Yeah, but There's we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You
1: know, personal experience. My brother, Terrence, and you know Dion, he was the most frugal guy I know. He we used to he used to have this jacket we call it. He wore it every time we go out, we call it the potato sack jacket. The jacket was the color of a potato sack, and it literally looked like a potato sack. But The way, the (laughs) confidence in which my brother wore this jacket, the way he put it on, the way he put his shoulders back, the way he put his head high, you would think he was wearing a 3,000 designer jacket. And it's all on his, how he carried himself, how he portrayed the energy they put out there that made this jacket seem like, man, I want to get this potato sack jacket. So you can bling being very conservative. It's how you wear yourself, how you wear things and how you carry yourself is what the key is to blinging, in my opinion.
0: Okay, Sean, I don't know if I'm about to bring out my members-only jacket, but I think that what the people need to understand is what you're saying. You don't always have to fall victim to the new-new. But let's also be clear that the system, the consumer culture, is set up to make you always want the new-new. And they put certain mechanisms in place, as Dion has attested before, to make it easier and easier for you to spend spend money you have and spend money you don't have for example this whole idea of buy now and pay later people are running out there buying things they can't really afford
1: you know is it you know as i talk to you more and more and we speak about this more and more is it, what is, the real, is it really the consumer ads or is it our peers you know, that are pressuring us to get these things to keep up with them, to keep up with the bling? Because, for example, like the back to the watch thing, you know, if you didn't put this watch idea in my head, I wouldn't have got the, the smart watch. Is it really the, the pressure of our peers to make it seem that we have, to, we have to get these things? And it's just a simple call or text saying, you got to try this. you got to get this, which makes us continue to be consumers. Right. I think it's a combination of our peers right. and ads. I have these credit cards. I can just pop it on there and I have it right away. So that's the fuel to it.
0: Yeah, know? no, I agree. I think that's the fuel to it.
1: You know, if we didn't have the credit card and everybody had to pay, we went to a cash only society. I think a lot of the blinging would end because most of us are just cash credit rich and cash poor.
0: That's very well said. But the reality is, and they figured this out a long time ago, if we were a purely cash society, America would never have the growth it's had. Because it's the it's the production. It's like we said, it's the five cycles. You have to produce it, you have to sell it, and it has to break so that you could produce something else. And we're just kind of on that hamster wheel trying to find our way.
1: Yeah, and what I would recommend with people too is that okay, acknowledge your bling items and and know that you know, I don't think you should go all in on a bling item, like okay, the Apple watch like I said I bought, I bought the cheapest Apple watch there was because I know by next year there's gonna be a new version out, and as great as this watch is, I'm gonna want the new version, so why am I gonna buy the the best one that's out there? I'll just buy the cheapest one for now, and then I'll wait for the update.
0: well, you know it's funny, I think when you talk about Apple, I think they're they're like really a great example of this because Apple said that they will make the Apple Watch and then they'll come out with version two while they're still selling version one to make you choose. And then they're gonna come out with version three while they're selling one and two to make you choose again. So they know that they're putting you on a constant hamster wheel
1: that's the new way of doing business. Yeah, we want you to not want our older version now and be and be gung-ho to go get our latest version. They're cannibalizing themselves, and that's creating this whole demand and this whole need in consumerism that we talked about. Imagine I if totally Apple was still it. just on... Our- and
0: the sad part is, I feel like such a victim. So we know that we spend. We know that the machine is stacked. The corporate culture is stacked against us to keep us buying. But let's talk about what we can do to kind of... Alleviate some of this, or kind of step off the hamster wheel, so to speak. Dion, can you start by explaining discretionary income for me? What's the definition of that?
2: Discretionary income is the amount of an individual's income that is left for spending, investing, or saving after taxes and personal necessities have been paid, such as food, shelter, and clothing.
1: In other words, Arlington, when you and your wife, Jackie, finish a hard day's work in Malibu, California, and you decide to sit at the beach and watch the surfers and drink your latte, the money for that latte would be considered what,
2: Dion? Discretionary income.
0: Right.
2: That was a, That was like a nice story. It
0: wasn't funny, but it was a nice story. So what we're saying here is you really have to learn to budget or you'll never figure out what your discretionary income actually is.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's really controlling your impulse buying and being disciplined with yourself and, and, for, and understanding that just because I, I can afford it doesn't mean it's the right time to do it or it's maybe not the right thing to do. It's really getting control of your what we talk about all the time, your wants versus your needs.
2: Only one in three Americans, according to a Gallup poll, actually have some kind of budget or financial plan.
0: Sean, that, that's you within the one in
2: four. You're counted.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I budget. Yes, I do. I do budget. I look at my Apple computer and check my Rolex watch and get into my Range Rover and figure out what my budget should be for today. Okay, is that a problem?
2: Not at all, because two thirds of the country is, is, is spending blind.
0: But I think I do feel like spending habits have changed because I know at Canvas with our customers, people are actually coming in since the since the 2008, the recession, and they're looking to buy, they're looking to make more value purchases. It's less emotional shopping. You know, it's more value purchases that we're seeing. And we've leaned into that as a store in terms of the really? product Absolutely. we purchase.
1: Well, tell us about that. Let me, hear, I'm, let me ask you a question now, Arlen. Tell us about the products and what the changes have been since you've seen the, the shift in your consumers.
0: Well, what, what we find is that, like you said, people aren't buying as many trendy items people are looking to buy what you call a value purchase. So if gold shoes are in style this season, people are more inclined to buy a stable, a staple color like maybe a black, brown, burgundy and they want a handmade shoe that's going to last for many, many years, not something that, you know, 5,000 of them come off a conveyor belt every day. So there's a bit of backlash to this over consumerism.
1: So you find that now and your business,
0: concept
1: co- you find that now your business, you don't need an array of products. You just need some good, solid product, one or two that you know can withhold the, 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 the test of time and as a good quality product rather than have like 10 various colors, not so good products there. You find that consumers are now being in your segment, which is the Malibu, and we quote unquote one of the highest zip code, one of the most you know, affluence yes. of codes in America. You find yes. that now that they the wealthy, I would call them the wealthy mindset has, has is, is, is a changing.
0: Yes. I think the wealth mindset has changed because everybody, whether you're wealthy down to the working man has been touched by the recession. And it gave us an opportunity to take a look at our shopping habits and our consumption habits and what we've actually acquired over the years. There are people that are like, you know what? I looked in my garage, and I have four TVs, four broken ones and five new ones. Why do I need all of that?
1: I want to ask you a question. For argument's sake, your story's in Malibu. You deal with the wealth mindset. You have some rich people, but you have a lot of wealthy people because there's a lot of old money in Malibu, correct? Yes. When we say wealthy, worth millions of dollars, correct? Correct. Do they ask for discounts? This is what I want rich people to understand and people that are blinging. Do they ask for discounts?
0: Well, you know... Yes, because ultimately, like you said, it's a wealth mindset what my customers have taught me. And I hope we're we're making clear to people nowadays is that they value their dollar. They value every dollar. And rightfully, you should, because, you know, what do they say? The worst thing that a rich person's, a wealthy person's nightmare is being broke. So they value every dollar. They will do things like pay with cash try and negotiate better prices. And, you know, at first I was like, this is crazy. But now I understand this is not, it's not crazy. It makes sense. If you're going to buy an item and you can save 10% through a conversation, it's worth it. If you can say to the person, hey, I'll pay cash for that item and it saves you another 10 or 15%, it's worth it. Because they're not keeping up with the Joneses. They are the Joneses.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's a misconception that I want people to understand. just because you have money does not mean you stop negotiating. It does not mean you stop trying to get the better price and get the value for your dollar. It, it means you continue those same practices. Exactly. I don't walk around acting like I got it. I'm always trying to within reason, I'm always trying to you know make sure I utilize my dollars effectively. I totally
0: agree with you. It's important to manage your dollars.
1: I I live by the saying, your money is your money. Respect it and try to keep it in your pocket as best as you can.
0: You know what? And with that, I say it's time to get into the bottom line. And my bottom line this week is we got to step back and become more of an individual and make choices for ourselves that are made out of needs. And sometimes they'll be made out of wants. But the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, that's an old school mentality and it's time to put it to bed. What you need to be keeping up with is your vision for your life and your financial life. So it's time to step back, look at yourself, look at your consumption. Don't be Hammy the Hamster and just ride that treadmill of buy, buy, buy. Sean, what do you think?
1: Arlington, my takeaway today is that, you know, I love bling purchases. It gives me excitement, fulfillment, as well as you should. But like everything else in life, you need to control it and manage it better. You know, we teach a financially clean program and we talk about these things. You need to learn to live without. Be an educated consumer. Buy items sometimes that are vintage and not seasonal that will last a longer period. Control your impulse buying, plan more, manage your emotional spending. And more importantly, we talk about throughout all the shows, and I'll continue to stress, is understanding your wants versus your needs. That's my takeaway for today's show.
0: Well, there you have it, everybody. Stay tuned to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, because next week we'll be talking about the stock market. And remember, please email your questions to Two Black Guys Good Credit at financiallyclean.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. I'm Arlington, and I'm signing off as one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. I'll see ya,
1: Sean. And I'm the better looking half. I'm Sean Linda. I'm signing off with Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Peace.